Hi, everyone. I'm Laurel Simmons, and welcome back to the Right Club podcast. Catherine Nelson Riley is joining me as my co host today. Catherine, we have Andrew Sigma, who is, wow, experienced. He does multifamily, does commercial real estate investing, and he's been on our virtual event. He had some really interesting things to say. In fact, they were so interesting. That's why we wanted him back on the podcast, right? Absolutely. He extended the conversation, but what was really cool is he gave us his insider tips as to how to handle your commercial tenants. That's where his main area of expertise is that he has over the years. He's a real estate investor, of course, and a realtor, but, but it was really interesting on how to handle and how to build the relationship with your commercial tenants. Yes, and how to build a relationship with your residential tenants. So let's go to that interview. But before we go there, what do we say to people, Catherine? Customize your life, come grow with us, and check it all out at www.therightclub.com. Welcome to the Right Club Podcast, where the focus is on helping you, the real estate investor, advance to the next level. And now let's join this week's hosts and share ways for you to customize your life. Hi, Andrew, and welcome to the Right Club. It's great to see you here and talk with you. Thank you for having me. I greatly appreciate it. Okay. Tell us, what are you up to these days? Because you've got a lot of things going on, mostly in commercial, but yep. it, it's an interesting time in real estate investing for anything, right? It's just interesting times. Absolutely. Absolutely. Right now is definitely interesting times. 2023 has been very turbulent. We are analyzing deals all the time. Sometimes the sellers have not come to the right position to sell or haven't adapted to the market. So we're analyzing more deals than we are actually negotiating deals. But at the end of the day, you still got to be integrated in the real estate um, investing market because you can't just sit back and relax. Even though we haven't done any transactions this year, we still are fairly busy um, analyzing deals because we anticipate that there is going to be a balance in the market, um, especially when it comes to commercial. You know, subleasing is through the roof right now. I believe it's up 14% compared to last year. And I, oh yeah. And I am, I anticipated to actually get even higher than that for 2024. The other big concern for 2024 is the COVID business loans are due on January 18th. And they will be requiring for those to be paid back. Now, a lot of people will probably be going into actually the the debt portion of it. So they'll actually make it an active loan so they don't get the $10,000 forgiveness, but they'll start getting 5%, I believe it is, interest, which is going to hurt a lot of businesses. They won't be able to sustain it. They, they couldn't sustain it before. I believe the economy is going to be slowing down even further, even with the anticipation of interest rates going down. I still think people won't be able to sustain it. Um, in my opinion, and you know, right now everything's just an opinion. I think that we are going to see the market really soften, and prices for real estate are going to go down. Because even though you know prices may go down to five, four and a half, just look at the residential sector, right? Like people got a mortgage for two percent from going from two percent to four and a half which they anticipate to end that, like they still can't, you know, make those ends meet. So there's going to be an influx of listings. I think there's a lot of buyers waiting on the sideline, like we're doing as well, but I don't 
think they match up with how much inventory is going to hit the market. So in other words, for if you're a buyer of commercial right now, you're in a pretty good position to snap up some good deals. Oh, yeah. Like there's deals out there right now that make perfect sense. The other problem is like we rate capital and a lot of investors are, you know, sitting back like, well, we don't want to invest into real estate because it's so turbulent. So even raising capital is difficult right now, right? It's not like, you know, two years ago when, you know, it's easy to kind of raise capital for the ideal project. People now would rather see their money in their bank account than being active in a real estate deal because they just don't know how it's going to handle. Right. So now you were, you spoke at the, we had a national event in October, virtually. Yeah. And yet you talked then about the, the state of the commercial real estate market. And have you seen any changes at all since then? Or is it still pretty much the state, the same? It, it's relatively the same. They're anticipating it to come down a little bit, but I don't, I really don't think it's going to change much of activity. I think that there's still going to be people with cash are still going to be buying deals. Like the big players, they're buying, right? Like an, I heard, it's not listed. I heard that the Burlington Mall is actually for sale for, I believe, 70 cents on a dollar. And it was just acquired maybe a year or two ago from my understanding. So if people just bought, now people are hurting, they have to liquidate. It has, they have to unload. So I think inventory is going to hit the market. And I think that things are going to be very appealing for people that have structured themselves to pounce on this type of economy. Okay. So let's talk a little bit about the type of commercial real estate that you do invest in, because I mean, there's a lot of commercial real estate out there. It goes yeah. anywhere from like five or six units in a multi-residential up to, oh, uh, industrial parks, self-storage, huge apartment towers, plus let's say parking lots. That's those parking lots is included in that too. But shopping malls, everything, right? Everything, yes. light industrial, heavy industrial, whatever it is. So what do you specialize in or what do you like to focus on? I guess I should so say. So I, I specialize in more on the multifamily side. We're actually migrating to land and industrial. I really like the industrial space, but it has to be in the right geographical area. If it doesn't supply, if the demand doesn't hit the supply, I won't entertain it. So I won't entertain industrial in, you know, Woodstock. But in Etobicoke, I definitely would because the numbers make sense. When we're evaluating those type of projects, at the end of the day, it's all about the exit. It has nothing to do with how, like you make money on the buy, but if you don't reverse engineer your spreadsheet on how you're going to exit, you're just going to lose money. So what we're focusing on is industrial. I really like land. They're not making more land. So when you yes. it comes up, you kind of take it on. Obviously, it has to be with outside the green belt zone, green belt zone, because then you're just sitting on land that is not going to make you money. As we've seen with the Doug Ford hoopla that he tried to enter it and then they took it back. I don't think that's going to be touched in our lifetime. So you have to make sure that it, you can get an SPA on the land. And an SPA, what's that? Site plan approval. Okay. Okay. Right. Because it's basically just bushes if you just own land. Right. All right. Now, there's industrial and then there's industrial, <laughs> right? Like, come on, there's many types of industrial. Yeah. So can we drill down a little bit on that? Like, what kind of things do you look at? I mean, if a buyer was driving along, I don't know, an industrial road, say in, I don't know, the western part of the GTA or the eastern, I don't care where, and I saw wire fences and, and padlocks and heavy equipment sitting in there and maybe it's a, 
I don't know, maybe they're moving, it's, they're moving gravel or I don't, there's all kinds of things, right? Yeah. So do you look, how do you go about assessing whether that would be a good buy for you? So what I try to look at is if the business is really going downhill and that's usually generally indicated by the appearance of the outside. So if you like a regular, like a house, if you drive by a building and the business is just, you know, equipment everywhere, like yesterday is a prime example. We drove by retail spot on Rymel and the biz, it was a flag store, but it had a nice plot of land. The building was really run down and flags were everywhere. I was like, well, we should probably door knock on this building because it's not for sale, but like the business is obviously not successful or have his flag standing up and, you know, the building would look presentable and that's just not the case. And there's a lot of businesses that are starting to do that because they just don't, one, operate the business properly or two, are running out of money and so they care less. And that's a great opportunity to go door knock, right? That's what we look for. And you also do some malls, right? Some shopping malls. Is that correct? Well, no. So I used to manage some plazas. In oh, Toronto. that was it. Yeah. I used to manage some plazas in Toronto. I really like the plaza market, but my concern with retail right now is if we were to entertain it, it'd be the start, it'd be the, the end of 2024. The reason being is because I want to see how businesses adapt to the payment back of the COVID loan. Because if businesses are going to start to fail from those loans, it's not going to be in the first quarter or second quarter after they're due. It's going to be three or four quarters in. Okay. But okay. I think retail is really going to take a hit. So I'm just going to kind of let that kind of progress and see how it lands. Right. But again, if you're looking for plazas, it's, it's the same um, strategy you use, right? You look around for things that can be, that, that look a little run down. Yep. Exactly. And... and you know, a, a nice coat of paint or some new doors, whatever it is, fix up the entrance, anything like that, right? That would, it's really curb appeal. It's massive yeah. curb appeal, right? Well, when when you look for industrial and, and plazas like that, when they have retail, if they have bay doors, uh, some of the big things to look for is a 52-foot turn radius for trucks. The reason being is because if they don't have a turn radius, shipments are difficult to load and unload, right? So you'll appeal better tenants if you have a good turn radius and high traffic areas, right? So if you're close to a Rio can type of plaza, that's going to be a prime location for you because they put a lot of money into their plazas and they have AAA tenants. So you want to be surrounded by those type of tenants because you'll attract those type of tenants. Okay. Well, actually, that's something I should ask you about. You said AAA tenants. Yeah. What does that mean? So AAA tenants are usually like mall, or not malls, banks, grocery stores, Metro is a, is a, is a good one, fast food chains like Tim Hortons, a stuff like that. So people that you know will pay the bill when they would, when rents do. Those are AAA tenants, especially in retail, because you know they're not going anyway, anywhere. Okay. One sector that is really appealing to us is also medical offices. Usually when a doctor moves into a medical office, they don't leave. They usually stay for a very long time, right? And then once they age out and they retire and sell their practice, the new doctor takes over. So their lease agreement is usually very long. Right. I'm actually surprised that more doctors and even any healthcare professionals don't buy the buildings because I think it makes it make a lot of sense, right? Because absolutely, they can rent out other parts to other doctors or other medical people, dentists, you name it. And, and it's a really... 
steady income, as you said. It, it's consistent. And with real estate, consistent payments is the best thing you can do. And that's why I like commercial a little bit better than than residential because it's, you know, it's regulated by the small claims court compared to the LTV. Uh, okay. So if a, if a tenant doesn't pay. Yeah, it's small claims court. You deal with lawyers in the, the courts. You don't deal with uh, LTV whatsoever. So it's much faster. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. It, and the thing is, if they don't pay after the first day and you lock the doors, you have the right to do so. Now, I don't recommend that, but you have the right to do so. Well, and that kind of makes sense. Because if you lock the doors, you basically barred them from making any revenue to help pay the rent, right? Yeah. And the thing is, there's also a lot of legal ramifications that come with that, right? Once you lock the door, the lease is terminated and the rights change for the tenant. Oh. Yeah. So it's, I, when I was managing a lot of the plazas in Toronto, you learned a lot. When, what happens? When, so what, what happens? So you can't just go in there, lock the door, then take possession. You'll actually, you could actually be sued and lose the case. So what you do is you try to negotiate with the tenant as best as possible. And then when it, in, in some cases, if they go insolvent, you have to deal with the insolvency company. And before you touch any other belongings, you have to make sure that you're following the rules. Uh, and a lawyer should advise you. If a tenant leaves, a lawyer should advise you. I highly recommend talking to legal counsel. Okay. So it's not quite as straightforward as it, forward as it appears, although you do not, at least in Ontario, have to go through the landlord-tenant board, which is a big deal. It, it is a big deal. You could have something rectified very quickly with commercial. Okay. All right. And when you say very quickly, what do you mean? Like a month, two months? A couple of weeks. Oh, wow. A couple of weeks, yeah. You, you, uh, could, you could adjust quite quickly. And if you, put it, if you put it in the lease, which it should be, if they default on their lease agreement, the outcome will be already addressed in the contract. Okay. Okay. Like so, everything should be under the lease, right? So even when... They do leasehold improvements. What a lot of tenants don't know is that as soon as you put an improvement in, it actually becomes the property of the landlord. Yes. It's no longer the, the property of the tenant. When you're dealing with the insolvency company, when I was dealing with them, they were like, oh, well, we're taking the, the HVAC. It's like, no, it's not. It's fastened to the wall and you can't touch it. And a lot of people don't know that. Even people that are in the industry, they just don't know it. And it's, you need to be very careful. Right. So any, if, if they put any walls up or partitions or they even fastened furniture to yeah. a wall. Oh, yeah. So big thing for industrial is the heating system, right? So when you have warehouses, they, it is a very costly heating system. And once it's fastened to the structure, it belongs to the land. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. All the tenants are like, oh, well, we're taking the heating system. It's like, no, you're not. <laughs> you are not. It's staying here. Yeah, read your lease. Exactly. Uh, you know, so it's, I try to advise people as best as possible. Make sure that you consult with a lawyer, even the tenant. I, I, I advise them to talk to the lawyer. Right, because your lease, I imagine you've worked on your lease over the years and it gets better and better. But yeah. there's a lot of things that you might not normally think of and you're right. Seeking legal counsel is probably the, well, not probably, it is the best way to go. Absolutely. Because they'll tell you the laws, right? Then under the CTA, people need to know what the rights are. CTA? The Commercial Tenancy Act. Oh, okay. All right. Our RTA, there's the CTA as well. Okay. Okay. All right. Okay. Now, 
You said you do a lot of large multifamily also. Yeah. Now, when you say large, what do you mean? So I, I don't go that large, but I, I'm about 10, 10 units. I like to get in and get out as fast as possible. And I, we don't keep anything. So once we're done, we liquidate the asset and move on. Oh, okay. So is it fair to say it's kind of like a, a, a flip? Yep. Okay. All right. We, so we, we had a management company and we were, everybody's like all about the doors and the doors. You know, so when things go wrong in real estate, they really go wrong. And it can be very expensive to operate a building. Um, and yes, it does go down and it appreciates, but there's always good, as long as you're reinvesting that money, that money will constantly be appreciated. And it will actually expedite it if you just roll it over into another property. Because it's very difficult to actually pull out all your money now because of the purchase prices of properties. Okay. So expand on that a little bit. Like, you, say you, you've bought a, a, I don't know, a 12-unit apartment building, right? Yep. You, and you were driving along and it looked a little run down and you tracked down the owner and uh, you made the buy. Okay. Yep. We're, we're good. So now you go in and you fix it up, right? Yep. Okay. Well, and fixing it up, what does that mean? So we, we do everything internal. So we change the ceiling because they're usually always stuccoed. So we always make them flat. We put pot lights in. We put laminate flooring, the vinyl click six mil. So we buy, we bought by the bulk. So we used to buy like shipping containers. So we'd buy it on a discount. We would go always wood baseboards. One, it's faster to install. So labor is actually cheaper. People are always like, well, MDF is cheaper, but it's it's also more labor intensive. We paint the walls, then we update the kitchen with single shaker stone countertop. We do an undermount sink. We all, we usually reglaze the tubs. We never usually change the tubs. And then we go, usually go with a two by four. Uh, I'm sorry, a one by two tile on the on the bass around, and then a different style tile on the floor, but same size. And we always go with a floating vanity. It always adds a little nice touch with the we always do the outside of the building. So we painted our, our outside of the buildings to a specific color. They're always the same color. It's a little bit of a grayish, bluish type of feel with a little accent right down the middle. Okay. Everybody and loves to live in a building that they're proud of. Of course. And even they landscaping, do you look at that at all? Yeah, so we do. So we are a big fan of concrete. One, it's easier to install. Two, it's easier to manipulate and make look presentable. And it lasts forever. So we use a lot of concrete. And we try to keep the greenery as minimal as possible. Because more green, more maintenance. <laughs> okay. <laughs> that makes sense. Well, look, come on. It is nice to have green, like an evergreen or something like that. Just... It, it it absolutely does, but you're going to pay for it in maintenance. And the thing is, when you operate a building, expenses are the biggest thing because you could increase rents as much as possible. But if those uh, expenses are going up there, you're going to have a hard balance. Okay. All right. Well, what do you do with the tenants that are in there? Because if you see a, a building that's slightly run down and you want to go, you buy it, you want to go in and fix it up. And obviously you've done your due diligence and you've seen the rent rolls and all the rest of it. Yeah. How, how do you get the tenants out to fix it up and then sell it to somebody else? Only way to do it is cash for keys. There really? no, you know, there's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. And that now, works. All tenants know the system now, and the only way to get them out in a speedy process 
is cash for keys and be, and you have to evaluate it significantly. People are always like, well, you could do this, you could do that, but it's going to take you forever. And at the end of the day, if you evaluate costs from operating building that has tenants that are paying below market value, just account for the cost, do the price analysis, account for the cost added to their cash for keys so it's faster. So if I go, okay, it's going to take me six to eight months to get them out through the LTB, but if I can get them out in a month for cash for keys, I'm going to do that. Hasn't cash for keys, like you said, tenants know about that now. Hasn't the price crept up a lot, in the, especially oh. since COVID? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I would pay cash for keys for about $15,000 a key. And now? That's about going rate. Some people are telling me 2025. I haven't experienced that, but that's what some people have told me. I actually heard from quite a few people, well, a few, I mean, maybe a handful, where, mm-hmm. you know, the tenant has asked for, you know, $20,000 or $25,000 and even more. Oh. And, that, that, and that's the problem with residential, right? Even though multifamily is commercial, it's still classified as residential because when you're dealing with the, the LTB, that's why we're trying to gear away from the multifamily. It's just your hands are tied every which way when you have a multifamily. Okay. I have to ask you a question then. If yeah. you give, you you strike a deal with a tenant and you, you know, you say, okay, I'll give you $18,000 for the keys and you're out in, I don't know, a month, whatever it is. Yeah. And then they change their mind. What happens? Well, you have to go to the sheriff because usually you sign like a, a, a notice. And once they sign that document, they breach contract, then they're in a little bit of trouble. So you go to the sheriff and they'll have them removed. I, I, you're, Never had that happen to me, but I hear it's about about a month if they don't move it. Okay. So they actually... You you have a legal document signed. And once that kind of gets breached, the sheriff kind of steps in. Okay. All right. And all right, because that's what I wondered. It is a legal document, which presumably you had prepared by your legal counsel. Yeah. (laughs) You want to make sure (laughs) it's right. (laughs) Yeah. Well, we didn't because we had a management company and those are... Ontario documents, but I would recommend that if you are self-managing, I highly recommend running it by legal counsel. Right. Because if it's wrong, you're starting all over again. You probably lost your money too. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. So by the time you prepare your document, pay the money and all the rest of it, yeah, okay. Your first one could be expensive. On the other hand, you say, if you do the analysis and you figure that 20 grand is... In the long run, it's going to pay off more than not getting that person out then. Exactly. Because it's all about speed. When you deal with real estate, it's all about speed. If you're clicking your heels on getting a project done, you're just going to lose money. And your spreadsheets, basically, your analysis is right out the window. Mm. So if you don't act quickly, you will lose money. And then your investors are going to really not invest with you again. So when you do a project, I always account for the cash for keys in my cost analysis. Okay. All right. I I'll always do is generic expense. Right. Well, how can you figure that out though? You can't very well go to uh, tenants before you've bought the property. So I average it. So I put $15,000 every single door. Okay. And what if they don't, what if they want 20,000? What if they want 25? And, and, and then it increases the cost, right? But even when it comes to construction, you when you do a projected construction breakdown, that's only projected. I've never hit, I've never projected construction and it actually matches up dollar for dollar. <laughs> never had that happen. And really? if someone has, 
I hit my hat to you because I've never <laughs> seen construction never goes as planned. And if people have that happen, good for them because I have never experienced it. And I come from the construction industry and it's never the same, but you have to, we like to put a contingency for construction. We, we should actually probably do it for cash for keys, but we evaluate a 15% contingency for construction, right? So we go, Hey, it's going to cost 200,000. We're projecting, you know, 20%, 15%, whatever the project you think it requires. Yes. Okay. And that makes sense. I, I agree with you. I've never heard of anyone coming <laughs> uh, like on budget or under budget for construction projects. Right. And the thing is, construction makes or breaks real estate. It really does. People go in and they're like, oh, well, we could do this for 20000 Like, there is no way you're doing this for 20000 There's no way. Because when we did our last project, cost per door to roughly renovate was 30000 And we would walk in and be like, there's no way. Our cost is close to 30000 There's mm -hmm. There's no way. So people really make bad judgments on construction. And it's actually kind of heartbreaking because it's better to be a little bit looser with the numbers when it comes to construction than aggressive because you could lose your pants if you don't evaluate construction properly. Okay. All okay. right. Here's the question. Do you, where, where does your fart lie? Is it more on the multifamily or is it on the, the commercial side? Where my fart lies? I like, I do like multifamily, but that is quickly changing. So my love is with multifamily. The reason being is I love people and I actually love dealing with tenants. Out of all the tenants that I've dealt with through dealing in real estate, even when I had the property management company, I only had really two bad tenants. But that is changing because the economy is going to get hard and people's mindsets are changing. So I'm really, my heart's kind of going to the commercial. It really is. Well, okay. Well, there you have it. And who knows? I mean, things change. That's the only thing we really know uh, that holds true in real estate is things change. Interest rates goes down. But that's uh, everything in business, right? Everything course. changes. If you don't adapt or pivot, it's, you're going to drown. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. All righty. Are you ready for the lightning round questions? I am ready for the lightning round. I've been pumped since you told me. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right. These are ready to go. And Catherine is going to start off with a, the first question. Are you looking to create generational wealth and get one step closer to financial freedom? Then Better Mortgage Select is the mortgage brokerage for you. Whether you're a first-time homebuyer or seasoned investor looking to grow your portfolio, Better Mortgage Select is here to help you achieve your financial goals. With over two decades of experience, our team of financial planning consultants have perfected our own unique system that tailors every step to suit your financial needs. For a free consultation, reach out to us today at info at bettermortgageselect.ca or give us a call at 905-569-8326. We're here to help you get started and prove why we're the top-ranked mortgage team in Canada. Hey, Andrew, this has been really interesting. Thanks so much for joining us. Yeah. So what is one fun fact? that most folks wouldn't know about you? Fun fact that most people don't Ooh. know. Uh, I actually love dealing with tenants. I actually love dealing with tenants. I think it's, it's actually, for me, one of the most satisfying things to deal with in real estate. And a lot of people hate it, but I actually enjoyed it. Um, 
it, it would it brought satisfaction when you're actually able to work with a tenant and make sure that they're satisfied with the home that they live in. Because at the end of the day, um, they may be tenants, but they are also customers and making sure that they're satisfied. It was very satisfying for, for me. All right. And, and that's true because I've been a tenant and uh, I was like those landlords who took the time to get to know me. Oh, yeah. Because and, and, we're people. Exactly. Exactly. And the thing is, they're clients. They're, they pay regularly every month. And people don't, you know, absorb that. I dealt with a, a student rental in Toronto, and I used to have students call me up on Saturdays for the minor, the most minor things, like how to operate a, a washing machine. And it's like, no, it works. And just let me walk you through how to operate it. And it's just young souls kind of getting into life. It's just like that was satisfying for me. So little things like that. Okay. All right. Next question. Once the characteristic that you would say, just one characteristic or attribute that you would say has made you successful? Understanding of construction. Oh, okay. Understanding of construction. That, that was honestly, that is our competitive advantage in, in, in the marketplace. That's our competitive advantage. And I'd love to be like, oh, because I analyze deals so well and da, 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 da. It, none of that. It's that I understand how construction operates. And I have to tip my hat off to my brother, who's been pretty big commercial contractor. He's worked for the Halton region. Uh, he's taught me a lot. And that, that knowledge has made us not buy projects that would have lost us money. Because sometimes the best deal that you do is the one that you don't. <laughs> very good. <laughs> right? That's sometimes very true. the best deal you do is the ones that you don't. And if you can know how to walk away from one, some, that, that's the trick of the trade. Okay. Now, and that's a really good tip, tip and trick of the trade too. So thank you. So if you could go back and tell your 18 year old self something, what would it be? 18 year old self something? Ooh. Prepare for everything to go up and down. Because no matter how good it looks, you never think it's going to go down. And when it's down, you never think it's going to go back up again. And it always goes back up and it always goes down. Gee, it sounds like you understand economics <laughs> <laughs> and cycles. And yeah, it's true. Recession it followed by a boom economy, whatever it is, right? Yeah. More jobs, less jobs. But that turns around. It always happens. Exactly. It just when? How long is it going to be? Everybody thinks it's going to be in 2024. In my opinion, I don't think that. I think it's going to be 2025, actually mid to 2025. No one has a crystal ball. I may not be right. The person next to me may not be right. But it's all about, you know, being patient and knowing when to actually execute. All righty. Okay, last question. What does Andrew do for fun? Just plain fun. Nothing to do with real estate. Nothing to do with real estate. So I love playing golf and I love going to the gym. If I don't go to the gym in the morning, I'm a little bit off. So I do love uh, going to the gym in the morning and playing some golf. There's nothing oh. better than... A bright, sunny day, blue skies, and hanging out with some friends and just hitting the ball. There you go. Thank you. It's been wonderful, Andrew. We'll have you back for sure. And have a, a great day and a great week. Awesome. You too. Thanks, ladies. Can, before, before you go, Andrew, yep. how, can, how can our listeners get a hold of you? Yeah, they can reach me on Instagram at andrewj.signa or hit me up on LinkedIn. LinkedIn's pretty, pretty successful for me. Awesome. Thank you so very much again. 
Awesome. Have a great day. Bye. Hi, Catherine. I think Andrew is he's just such a nice guy and he's got really good information, really good tips. I hope people even took notes because, you know, what he had to say, I think could save people a lot of money. Absolutely. And he was actually giving us the background as to what makes him so successful, which is great because for those that are coming into the world of business, uh, real estate investing and looking at possibly other strategies, that's the kind of information that you want. You want that insider track. That's right. So until next time, thank you again, Catherine, and we will see you on the Right Pub Podcast. Bye for now. Thanks for listening to the Right Club Podcast, where the focus is on helping all levels of real estate investors advance to the next level and help you customize your life. Be sure to tune in next week at rightclub.com slash podcast or wherever you listen to podcasts. And if you get a few seconds, please rate the podcast wherever you're listening. It helps the show get noticed by others like you. And we truly appreciate it. And don't forget to subscribe.